It is good to see you, and um, what a beautiful day today. Doesn't that inspire you this morning, just to, again, when the clouds are out and it's raining and it's dark and cold and Canadian winters, God is still good, right? But when we, we walk through days like this, it just becomes that much more obvious to us that he is, he is fantastic. So he has made a wonderful day for us, so we give thanks to him. I hope you're well these days, and um, losses are real, aren't they? And they take all sorts of different forms and shapes and sizes. And, um, but I, I felt to encourage you today with this. I've been leaning into my own losses in my family, but um, God is always good. And we are resurrection people. We are resurrection people. Does that grab your heart? Um, I, I woke up this morning with this. It was just kind of going through my mind. Though I think the Lord gave me a couple things I was to share with you today, and this is one of them. Uh, among other things, but things that were not in my notes. Um, every day that we wake up, so first of all, Romans chapter 1, um, Paul writes and says that we gain some understanding into who God is and how he operates in the world by looking at all that he's made around us, right? All of creation speaks to us. The Psalms talk about that, the heavens declare the glory of God. So when we look at the natural order of things, we gain some insight into who God is and how he works in the world. Every day that we put our head on the pillow and we go to sleep, we wake up. Every 24-hour cycle, those of us who sleep during a 24-hour cycle, we get a little picture of what resurrection is all about. We go to sleep, and isn't it interesting that Jesus talked about death, that people had fallen asleep? And every morning, whenever that alarm goes off for you, you wake up. It's a picture of resurrection. We are resurrection people. The natural order of things point us to that which is most real. And so I am leaning in more these days that what awaits us on the other side is awesome. What's on this side is beautiful and good, and God's presence fills the universe, fills this world, fills this room right now. But what awaits us on the other side is like beyond our capacity to grasp, and it's going to be amazing. God has been showing me some really, really cool things this past week, and not all of it's for public consumption, but I'm feeling his closeness. I'm feeling his closeness. God is close to the brokenhearted. When we feel a sense of brokenness in our hearts, God draws near. And so those of you who've experienced some losses recently, may you know the nearness of Jesus. May you know the freshness of the Spirit's whisper. And um, you know that one word from God can change everything, right? Sometimes all we need is just one crystal clear word from God, and he redirects us 20 degrees, 30 degrees, and it's like, oh, that's what I needed. What you need today is not to hear from me, but you need to hear from God. What you need more than anything is to be in God's presence. And as scripture says, that's where the fullness of joy comes from. But the way he works in the world is his presence is revealed in communities like this and in nature. And there's so many ways. Reading his word. He is not one-dimensional. Uh, multicolored, multifaceted, beautiful, reflected, multi-sided diamond reflecting his glory and beauty and don't get bored with God. 
if you get bored with God, something is wrong with you, not God. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room today? Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, by the way, big thank, that was, uh, that was for free. And uh, that had nothing to do with the teaching theme at all this morning. It was just the overflow of the heart. It's good to have overflow, isn't it? Right? My cup overflows, David said. My cup overflows. Lord, cause our cup to overflow so that there's more, more being poured in. The beauty and the brilliance and the glory of God. Awesome stuff. He's awesome. He is awesome. Uh, we held our Global Leadership Summit right here in this room Thursday, Friday. Pastor Gary led our staff team brilliantly. It was a wonderful couple of days. Our attendance was a little bit less than previous years, but it's all good. Um, the people who were to be here were here. And, uh, but our volunteers, uh, if you served at this past GLS, would you stand? I, I want to just recognize you for a moment. If you were serving in any capacity, and uh, you know who you are, there was about 30 or more of you that were here serving, can you put your hands together and show your affirmation? Uh, th these volunteers were here Thursday, Friday. Many of them took time off work. And they were here at 7 a.m., still dark outside. One of our volunteers set off the alarm even. That was that early for them when they came in. It was wonderful. And uh, they stayed till like 5 p.m. at night because they care and because their hearts are engaged in the mission. And that's what this series is about, is about being on mission together as a church community. So if you're with us last week, we talked about recovering our vision. We shared the narrative vision uh, of the church, and um, you can always go to our YouTube channel and, and catch up if you perhaps missed last week. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about how uh, there is power in being, a, in being in a circle, the power of a circle. And um, you and I were made for this. What I'm talking about today, what we're going to talk about together today, is not just about how the Christian faith puts its emphasis on it, though it does. And it's in the Older Testament, New Testament. I, I absolutely love this teaching theme. It's a big, big part of all of our lives. When we're not doing as well as we perhaps were previously, we step out of circles. When we're doing really well, we find ourselves in healthy circles. And we tend to thrive there, and here's why. Because we were made for a circle. This is rich, deep theological understanding. God is a circle. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, a divine, beautiful, unifying, loving, self-serving God uh, who, who looks after himself. There's a plurality within the one God. And you and I share his image and likeness. We were made to reflect him. That's why you and I crave relationship. And not just to um, have acquaintances where we go to work and we see the people at the photocopy or the water cooler, whatever it might be, but where we have a deep sense of belonging and a deep sense of connection. We were made for this. And when we don't have it, something inside of us is dwarfed and perhaps even dies. We were made for connection. And uh, so we're going to talk about what it means to belong to a circle today. This is not a church health or church growth program. This is stepping into the design of what it means to be human, to be image bearers of the God. And so whether your faith is strong today or weak today, whether you have high regard for the Bible or not, this is about what it means to be fundamentally human. And this is why I love following Jesus. And this is why I absolutely love belonging to the church is because 
this Jesus himself is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not just another option, another way for us to do life. Life is found in him. And when we are up close and personal to him, we are up close and personal to life itself. And the community of faith, I wouldn't want to do life outside the church. I honestly, I, I, I love this church for so many reasons, and it's not just King Street. If I was to go anywhere on my life's journey, belonging to the one unique body of Christ, global body of Christ in the world is awesome. The church is not an organization, though we organize ourselves. The church is a living, breathing organism. It's an entity that the Spirit himself fills. And when we're in the presence of God, in the community of faith, it's the best thing ever. And so catching up on YouTube is important. Being online serves a purpose to some degree. But this, this is the best, right? I would even argue that this is good, but being in a circle is even better. Can I sell you on that today before we're done? And I would even say this to you. I just want to reawaken something inside of you that's already there. Because you're involved in circles all over the place. And so um, the Hebrew poem known as Genesis chapter 1 and then right through till chapter 3 is referred to very often. In fact, uh, in Reformed theology, they go there a lot. And uh, we do too. We go there a lot. And the reason why we go to, I just uh, served at a wedding in Cambridge uh, yesterday, and I had these three points. It's always inspired if there's three points. And I had a three-point reminder for this couple about the reason why marriage was created by God. And so, you know, um, Stephen Covey wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, begin with the end in mind. Well, I turned that upside down. I said, let's begin with the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning and say, why is it that God created what he created? And, and, and then we can find our, our place in the world. So design and intention and origins matter. Because if we get away from uh, design, intention, and origins, we'll get off, we'll get off the path. And so that's why we go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 so often, because you go there and you find out that all of God's creation is good. In fact, there's a creator behind all that we have and all that we know and all that we experience in the world. In the beginning, God. And everything he made was good. And then he makes the first man, the first woman. They were very good, right? So the material world is good. The animals are good. Everything we see around us is beautiful because God made it so. And then we're image bearers. We reflect his likeness. And then we find out that's not good that man be alone, so he makes a helper suitable for him. We have the institution of marriage created by God, not Western society, but God himself creates it because it's not good for man to be alone. And then we keep reading through and we find out that there's a serpent and there's temptation and there's sin and there's consequences. And then God even steps in and he goes and he provides covering for the first man and the first woman. It's a picture of atonement for us. And he promises that he'll crush the serpent one day and that he's got a restorative mission to make all things new. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. So no wonder we go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 so often. Because origins, intention, and design matters. It's where we understand sexuality, identity, value. It's all right there. So would you join me by standing today? We're going to read our passage to ponder, which is a different one for today. And it's taken from Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 24. So would you join me by reading so that your neighbor can hear you read? Here we go. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. 
Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a man from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So God makes the first man, and it's not good that he be alone, so he makes a rescuer, a suitable helper, really in Hebrew, somebody who would rescue him and rescue him from his aloneness. And, uh, and so he makes Eve, and we have this marriage union. But prior to that, God had brought all the animals by him. It's almost like a show-and-tell experience. God says, hey, listen, I, it's not good that you be alone. Here's all these animals. What do you think of them? He says, they're, they're amazing. I, I named this one that, this one that, this one that. But he says, not doing it for me. Isn't that good, men? Right? There's more, right? So God says, okay, you need some, something else. So he makes the first woman. And then for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, the two become one flesh. There's the, mat, the, the pattern. There is the model for what it looks like for a God-approved marriage. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But it's not good that we be alone. We were made for connection, for community. So we're going to talk today about circles. And um, our, our missional initiative, number one, so we have four of them that we're going to really put the spotlight on over the next few weeks. And we're going to do one today, one the following week, and then for the next two consecutive weeks as well. We're going to talk about small group communities. And I hope by the time we're done, you're going to say, oh, I, I see that differently now. I see that very differently. So this is the early church. Uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, Acts chapter 2. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This community was pretty, pretty connected. Uh, here's Jesus, John 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Well, what is the this? If you love one another. We can love each other sitting in rows, but sometimes it's hard to even get to know each other in rows because we're staring at the back of somebody else's head. Love requires a face-to-face -face interaction with another. We can choose love in this room, but the opportunity to love and to love deeply requires personal relationship. So here's the three thoughts for today. The first one is this. Jesus himself created a circle of connection. Jesus himself created a circle of connection. If you've ever wondered if relational connection is like the cherry on top of life, especially for like the type A personalities here, it's kind of like, I'm going to go and work, I'm going to give myself to accomplishments and all that. Now, if I get around to relationships, that's just the cherry on top. Uh, no, it's not the cherry on top of the Sunday. Relationships is the whole Sunday. It is the whole Sunday, right? If you don't believe me, listen to God. Jesus himself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about relationship with God and with neighbor. 
That's the point of life. Accomplishing things is important too. Making the most of our work and our abilities and our gifts and our talents. Let's go be fruitful, right? Let's go bear fruit and improve people's lives. Absolutely, 100%. But relationship is not just the, the cherry on top. It's the whole Sunday. And the reason why is this was a really big deal to Jesus. Listen to this. He invites his 12 friends, and we'll look at them in just a moment. Um, he invites his 12 friends to do life with him. Mark 3.14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Jesus could have gone and done the mission on his own, but he invited 12 people to come and form a circle with him that they might be with him. It's called the be with principle. We were called to do life with others. If Jesus needed it, if Jesus needed connection with humans, how much more do you and I need connection with humans? This is part of what it means for us to be wide awake, is to be connected in vibrant human relationships with others. Some of us are married in this room, and family dynamics are very important to us. Others of us are single. At the end of the day, marriage matters, but being single doesn't limit our connection. This is partly why the body of Christ is given to all of us. And this is why my wife and I and our family have given a big part of our lives to serve the church because we are convinced. We're convinced that what happens here really, really, really matters. I mentioned last week that we are the only organization or community stewarded or challenged or mandated with stewarding the gospel. But there is so much life that comes out of these communities. And Jesus himself modeled it, that people would be with him. And Jesus had a circle within a circle. So he had his 12 disciple friends, but then he had Peter, James, and John. And there are at least two occasions that we're aware of in the Gospels where Jesus brought the inner circle to go with him to places where the others didn't go. If you remember Jesus going up the Mount of Transfiguration, and by the way, if some of you wonder if the resurrection is a crazy idea or if heaven, the afterlife doesn't exist, man, I, I, I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Uh, Jesus goes up this high mountain. We're not even sure geographically which mountain it is from what I understand, but they go up the mountain and he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And there, Jesus is transfigured. They see him very, very differently. The glory of God is revealed through Christ. And Moses and Elijah show up. These men died centuries earlier. Moses and Elijah show up and have a conversation with Jesus. And Peter, James, and John are overwhelmed. They got invited because they're in the inner circle. Was Jesus playing favorites? Not at all. He just had an inner circle. There are some people that we connect with more strongly than others, and it's okay. The 12, they were his people. But the three, this four, group of four, including Jesus, they made up a strong inner circle. Who's in your inner circle? Do you have names come to mind when we think about people that you can lean in toward? power of pairs. You'll hear about that coming up. Pairs, triads, and quads. What are you talking about, Pastor Dave? Is there one other person you meet with for coffee that you share heart with, that you encourage each other in this thing called life and faith? Maybe there's two other people. Maybe there's three other people. It doesn't always have to take a, a church program to make it happen, but just people that you connect with on a regular basis. 
We'll lean into that in just a few moments. But um, the power of pairs, triads, and quads, you'll, you'll, learn, you'll learn some more about that as we move along and how that can happen for us. Um, Jesus, again, um, created a circle of connection. And, and part of the reason he did that for us, he wanted us to understand when he chose his 12 disciples that we don't always have to agree on everything in order to belong to each other. I've shared this before, and I shared it with our board a few months ago. This is, this is really good. And coming out of the day that we just came out of with this pandemic, this is very relevant. Look at the 12 and how they're described. Matthew chapter 10. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. Simon, who's called Peter. And listen to the descriptions that Matthew gives us. Simon, who's called Peter. Remember, on this rock, I'll build my church. It was his confession of faith. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, his brother. There's a couple brothers there. Philip and Bartholomew, also went by Nathaniel. Thomas, but Thomas isn't called the doubting disciple or anything like that. He's just called Thomas. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Hold on to that one. He worked for Rome, sometimes gouging his own people to pay Rome. Matthew, the tax collector. He was, at one point on his journey, pro-Roman government. James, the son of Alphaeus, went by James the Less, Thaddeus, Judas, son of James, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Ze You know what Simon the Zealot was about? Overthrowing Rome. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pick 12 friends. Let's pick this guy over here who's a right-wing, hardcore, militant conservative who's got this idea of whatever it is. And I'm going to go get the most liberal person on the planet or whatever else. And we're going to bring these two together and you're going to be friends. That would have been interesting to watch. But what brought them together was what? Jesus. They were both Jesus' friends, though they had seen the world from different vantage points for all sorts of reasons. But that didn't matter as much as their friendship with Jesus. Is it possible for the church to have very different views about certain things, but because Jesus is the most important person, he brings us together? Is that possible? Maybe when Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, part of it is because of our differences that we don't allow to become antagonistic um, separators of the people of God. The culture, please give me a rowdy amen on this one. The culture needs this message right now and to be seen by others the way the body of Christ was intended to work. This is the greatest message that we can send to them. Amen. amen. All right, good. Half of you believe it, and that's great. All right. Uh, number two, circles are better than rows. You might say, convince me, pastor. All right, let me see what I can do here. Because they help us accomplish the one another's in Scripture. Celebration gatherings are awesome. Today was wonderful. Sonia and the worship team did an amazing job with the music. I love these gatherings. I will never stop gathering in hundreds of people settings like we're doing now. I think there's so much value. Things get done here that can't get done in a smaller environment. So, um, but however, there is one small little Greek word used in the New Testament that takes two English words to translate. It's one another in English. It is used 100 times, 
and 59 of those times the word is used, it is a directive on how we're supposed to relate with each other. I'm just going to give you a little sampling of them. These are hard to do in big gatherings. Here's the first one. Confess your sins to one another, James 5, 16. Unless someone would like to start today, I'll put my mic off here and I'll give it to you. Just take our turn. Come on up and confess your sins to the group. Confess your sins to one another. Here's one. We can, we can do this to some degree, but maybe not entirely. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. You got to kind of do life with each other in order to have opportunities to forgive each other. You got you to you make room for someone to step on your toes. You got to be close enough where when the music's playing and you're dancing with each other, so to speak, you know, you can kind of trespass. But when you're sitting neatly in rows and most of it's a monologue, uh, there's not a lot of opportunity to forgive. Pastor, that's why I don't want to be in a small group. I don't want to be offended. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want someone to, to step on my toes. This is part of what it means to be human and grow. Uh, I, I spoke to my counselor this past week. He's more like a spiritual director for me because I brought my grief to him uh, because of the passing of our dog probably wept for the f half of my conversation with him. And uh, he's familiar with his own grief. Lost a child, lost a spouse, long story. But he said to me, Dave, every time you experience a loss, maybe this is for somebody in the room today, every time you experience a loss, it's like God takes another training wheel away from you. And he'll keep taking them away until all that's left is the fact that you have finally come to terms with what you need is him. Only him. So our losses are wheels that come off that have been given by God to support us and to help us. Maybe our pets, and maybe siblings, maybe parents, maybe a spouse, and the wheels are coming off. I said this to Pia today on the way in the car. When we talk about the wheels have come off, we feel like we've lost our way and we're going to be a wreck. No, no. With the help of the Spirit, the wheels come off one by one, and the strength of the Spirit comes alongside us and supports us and strengthens us and sustains us. I'm experiencing that today, by the way. I'm experiencing the strength of God through the people of God. You guys are awesome. God gives us supports for all sorts of reasons. But be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving to one another. Accept one another. Well, how can I accept you if I don't know our differences? Pray for one another. In small group communities, we can pray for each other. Bear one another's burdens. I don't know what you're even carrying. Serve one another, right? We can do some of that, but it really goes to another level when we're in a circle with other people. So the list goes on and on. And many of these are very difficult to do in large groups, but we can do them more easily and more effectively in circles. Um, all of us in this room are made for four things. To know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, and celebrate and be celebrated. When it's your birthday, isn't it great when somebody remembers it? It's just like, oh, yes, I matter. Or when we're going through a hard time, I sent a note to a friend of mine who's been through surgery uh, lately, and I sent him a text this morning just reminding him that I'm thinking of him. Right? It's like I'm on your mind. All of us were made. To love and be loved, know and be known, serve and be served, and celebrate and be celebrated. Small group communities help us do that. Um, this past week, I already mentioned to you, I spoke to my counselor friend. Um, and I also spoke to uh, a lifelong brother of mine on the phone on Monday. 
Um, I haven't had a lot of practice grieving, so I'm, 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 I'm learning how to do that. And some of you uh, could teach me many, many deep, inspiring lessons about it because of what you've endured in life. I talked to my friend on the phone, and uh, I was just thinking back. I've walked with this brother, I'll call him, for like 33 years. And I, I got to know him. And when I say walk with him, I walk with him, and he walks with me. And we, we do life together. Like my wife knows me. My parents know me, and then this friend of mine, John, knows me. And um, I got to know John 33 years ago when I was in my first year in Bible college, and there was something called Youth Force where we signed up to go and serve in different parts of our province. And I went, thanks be to God, with John and Claudia, who became his wife, and another young guy named Edwin. We went to Thornhill and served in a Jewish community and reached out to young people. That seven days was the beginning of a friendship with John and I that has lasted now for 33 years. This is what I've learned in life. Uh, you and I have a circle of control, but that circle is much smaller than we realize. God himself puts his hands over our small freedom that we have, and he adds things to our circle when he deems fit, or takes things out of our circle when he seems fit. But because I stepped in to a circle of service, I was given by God a brother named John. It's David and Jonathan. It's a beautiful story. My small group community, I don't get to lead my small group, and I'm really happy about that because I get to have other people lead me. It's really good for me to come under the leadership of a small group community here, and I have two wonderful couples who serve me and my wife in our small group. We'll meet with them right after this gathering. And last week after I shared about Chase, they were just you okay, Dave? You doing all right? Checking in on me? That is good stuff. Good stuff. And sometimes it'd be like, hey, you know what, Dave? I've already got a great family. We look after each other. I've got so many kids, grandkids. And thanks be to God for all of that. But it's what other people need from you. It's not about what you need necessarily. It's what other people need from you. And when you help other people get what they need, it's weird in the kingdom of God. Everything's upside down. You actually get something the way the kingdom works. If you go seeking to get, you'll be empty. You start giving away, you're full. And so that's why we're going to cast vision for a different way of seeing ourselves in groups in just a moment. So here's the last thought for today. Groups can take a life of their own and have diverse expressions. Um, my kids, when they were younger, uh, probably those of you who are, are Pia and my age and have had kids that are similar age, do you remember a book called Flat Stanley? that ring any bells for some of you? <laughs> Flat Stanley. So my, my girls, I'm not sure it was grade one or what it was, but they had to color this character with a popsicle stick on it and everything. And they had to go around into different adventures of life and take pictures of themselves with Flat Stanley. And they're like, well, Flat Stanley's at the zoo today, or Flat Stanley's eating macaroni and cheese, or whatever it might be, right? And uh, now Flat Stanley was one-dimensional. He was just a flat guy, <laughs> flat dude. You know, He didn't have a lot of three-dimensional aspects to him. When, when we think of small group, I want you to get away from flat Stanley thinking. Um, I'm involved in a spiritual growth group, which means that me and a dozen or so others get together most weeks, and we talk often about sermons and how they can apply to our lives and how we can care for each other and how we can have a, a friendship or relationship with Jesus at the very center. 
We, we do that together. It's a spiritual growth group. But I want you to think about five S's. So we're going to have like a, um, we're going to have a, a pentagon shape circle with like five different angles to it. I didn't say pentagram, by the way. I said pentagon. Very different. Spiritual growth groups huddling up around our common faith as it relates to scripture talks or some form of curriculum or book study. It's, it's, it's designed to be very specific around either doctrine or life application teaching, but that's, that's kind of where it lands largely. But it's not Sunday school. It's not information swapping. It's actually life-on-life -life relationship with Jesus at the center with a certain um, curriculum to help guide conversations. But really the point is to connect relationally around our common faith spiritual growth groups, service groups. Some of you are involved in serving here. I watched the GLS and I was so proud of different ones. And I won't get into too much detail, but I know their stories and how sometimes life has been a struggle for them. And they stepped into the circle of service. And I saw one person in particular and they were beginning to meet new people and connecting. That is a wonderful way to build relationships. So I'm, I want to sell you on this, okay? I really do because this is the point. And the principle is this, you can use people to get a job done, or you can use the job to get people done. It's very different. So when we invite people to serve at the cafe, coffee, tea, muffins, donuts, all that stuff, you know, we should have some healthier things there probably at some point, but there it is, right? And, um, but some of you like donuts, and I like donuts too, so they're, they're there, and you've, anyway, I'm not going to get distracted on that. Handing the tea, the coffee matters because somebody wants a coffee and a tea. You're kind of meeting a social need. And then they sit at the tables and the chairs and they're connecting with other people and that's wonderful. You're actually facilitating a connecting environment. But beyond even that, you're serving on a team with people over there that I hope happens. This is what I hope happens. When you're involved in a cafe serving team, you're gonna get to know every person on your team and you're gonna know their birthday, you're gonna know their kids' names, you're gonna know... Um, their dreams, their fears. You're going to rally up together and pray for three or four minutes at every person we serve together today that they'll experience the love of God through our service. And when something goes wrong in their life, you're there to help. You're going to be a circle of relational connection that has service in common. So it's not just about Pastor Al wants us to serve coffee. Okay, you got to be there at 9, 9.55. And then, okay, where are the aprons? Uh, anybody know where the thing? No. <laughs> We're missing the forest for the trees here. These are my people. These are my friends. These are people I do life with. These are people I get to serve with. It's our contribution to the church. And oh, by the way, I got to know your, your, you so well. You gave me your cell number and I'm texting you throughout the week. Can I come over? Do you want to come over to my place and have supper? You can see where this is going, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. And that can happen in the kids' ministry, ushering team, guest services, tech. We're going to be looking to go to a live stream format soon. We need to build a tech team. It's not just to get the job done. It's for us to connect with each other around the mission, right? That's the point. So spiritual growth, service groups, support groups. Some of us get stuck along the way in life, and we need some support. Or we have gifts and abilities. We have something like five, six, or seven trained, recognized, certified counselors in this church. That's pretty impressive. Like, that's pretty amazing. I've been trying to discern what God wants us to do along the way, and it's a strange thing when you start looking for patterns and what God provides. Why did God give us so many therapists in this church? Well, we're either really, really broken and we need lots of help, which is probably okay, right? 
Or maybe there's a way that God wants to enlist us to face outward and help people, especially during a mental health crisis, right? So we have spiritual growth, service, support, special interest. Anybody like to go pedal biking? There's a few of you like to do that. P and I want to start something in the better weather come the spring and summer, but some of you like to go kayaking. Some of you like to go camping. Some of you like to read books. Some of you like to taste different coffees in the Durham region. Whatever you're interested in, we're going to build an infrastructure on our website where we can help people get connected. Pairs, triads, quads, and then all the five S's that help people connect. Special interest, whatever you're interested in. You might be surprised that somebody else here has the same interest. I, I prayed a while ago because I was feeling a little bit lonely at some point on my journey. And I said, Lord, you know that I have an interest in the investing world. I'd love to meet some other people who have that same interest. It was a weird thing. But God added three good friends to me. Um, two of them in this church, one somewhere else. And it was just sort of a weird thing that came together. And we were starting to get together, have coffee and talk about the investing world. It was just a hobby of ours. You feel connected to people when you have a shared interest, special interest. So what are you interested in? Might be somebody else in the, in the congregation that you can also connect with. And then maybe you can enlist some friends from the community who don't know Jesus yet, who'll be a part of that group too. And uh, the last one is Seeker. So Alpha, all sorts of different on-ramps that we can do to help people at least take a next step. And um, so we want to find a place. So you might say, I'm not into small groups. I did that years ago. It didn't work well. I had a, uh, it was a dysfunctional group, whatever. I don't know what you would say. It didn't go well for me. Uh, do you have interests? Do you, want, do, you, do you have gifts to serve? Like, this is what I'm talking about. We, we want 75% of our church family, at least 75% of our church family, to be in a circle. So as we grow to be a church of 1,200 in the next five years, we're looking to have 900 people in some service group, support group, special interest groups. Uh, uh, what else did I say? Seeker group, thank you. And one other one of the S's. Spiritual growth, thank you, Gary. And, and so that can happen for you. So head over to kingstreet.org and you can learn more about that. But we're going to keep talking about this. You're going to hear about this because we really want to help you get connected. And uh, because we need each other. That's really the point. We need each other. And uh, I, I've said this many times at King Street before, a challenge or a crisis never makes an advanced appointment on your calendar. It just shows up. Can I, can I tell you how it just shows up? This morning, or I guess it was last night, I looked at my calendar for what was happening today, and I have this all-day event thing. It becomes my to-do list on my calendar. And so I put on my calendar... We're going to a Thanksgiving celebration uh, event um, with extended family later today, and I've got small groups. So I put on my calendar two weeks ago, go home and spend an hour with Chase before going to the event. And then I forgot it was there, so I added another one, and it was today, pick up Chase's remains at the vet. A crisis or a disappointment or a hardship never makes an advanced appointment on your calendar. I, I was, I've been looking and listening for God more and more these days. And so as I was meditating, I was, what are the odds of me putting that on my calendar? Go look after Chase for an hour before we go to the family event and then pick up his remains at the vet. Shows up on the same calendar. We were going to pick them up on Friday. <laughs> I've had so many bizarre things that God is showing me along the way. It felt like God was saying to me, David, I put that on the calendar because I wanted you to be reminded how much you loved your dog. You were going to go and spend an hour with him. And I also want you to know this, David. 
You make your plans two weeks in advance. I'm the one who determines what happens next. All we can do is put ourselves in circles. We can position ourselves for love and care. We can be there to care and love, for, uh, love others. And you'll never know when you need the circle, but you'll be really, really thankful you have one when it's time for one. Amen to that? Have you experienced that in your life? Where all of a sudden the chips are down, and it's like, my people are my people, and they're there for me when I need them most. It's really, really important. And it's the way the body of Christ was intended to care for herself. Okay, so I brought you to this point today, and I felt like the Lord spoke with me this morning. And I don't want to trumpet with that, but I'm just trying to tell you that this is more than just something that I'm just going to do at the end. I, I felt prompted to ask you a question today. So here's the question. Um, it might help you focus a bit more if you, if you close your eyes, if you're, if you're comfortable with that. If you would close your eyes for just a moment. And here is the question. On a scale of one to 10, being really honest with yourself today, how would you rate your allegiance to Jesus right now? Eyes closed, thinking about your life. How devoted how allegiant are you to Christ right now? Some might end up with an eight, some a six, some a four. Some might be down saying, I haven't chosen to be allegiant to Jesus yet. I don't want to hurry the process because this is, this, is, this is like soul inventory time. Where are you right now when it comes to your allegiance to Jesus? Are you an all-in person, eight, nine, and ten? Or are you somewhere in the middle, there's some... Reasons for you to say, I'm in the four, five, and six zone? Or are you a little further down in the scale? This isn't about earning our salvation. It's not about making God smile so that he likes us more. It's just about where are you on the spiritual journey with Jesus? Have you got that number? Because I'm going to ask you the next question. Whatever number comes to mind in your head as you think about where you're at, what would it take for you to move up just one number? What is keeping you at six rather than moving to seven? Or eight moving to nine or three moving to four? What is the one thing that serves as an obstacle for you to help you move forward in your allegiance to Jesus? For some, it might be your relationships for the way you manage your words, for the values that you've carried and the way you've spent time, maybe your, your lack of investment in the kingdom of God in all sorts of ways, time, treasure, talent. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm asking you an honest inventory question today. And the older I get, the more, and this past week has caused me to even be more so, leaning into what's coming next. Leaning into what's coming next. Full weight of my life on Jesus. The best I can. So I'm going to ask you to do something now. Whatever the number was and whatever is in your mind as the next step in order to move you further along in your allegiance to Christ, if you have that in mind, whatever it is, it's a practice, it's an activity, it might be a sin that needs to be repented of, it might be a value or a priority or something that's getting in the way. 
If you want to bring that to Jesus now and say, I don't want this to get in the way anymore. I want to crash through this and I want to be more devoted and more allegiant to you than ever. With that in mind, if you're comfortable, would you stand with me because I'm going to pray for you about that one thing, whatever that is, just to move you a little further along. And if you're comfortable doing this, like I am, holding your hands out and picturing that thing, whatever it is in your hands, we're going to offer this to God now. And we're going to say, I don't want this thing to be more important than you. I want to pursue you wholeheartedly, and this is getting in the way. So would you join me by praying in your own words, under your breath, whatever that looks like for you. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, bringing these things that sometimes have served as impediments in our lives. And at this point on our journey with you, it's getting in the way of me being a fully devoted Jesus-following person. I bring this to you now, and you know all the details of what's involved in what is figuratively, so to speak, in my hands. I bring it to you, God, and I offer it up, and I say, this thing is less important to me than you. And I've been drawn to it. I've allowed it to impede my progress. I've attached myself to it in some way. I've stumbled. I've been entangled. Whatever language and words we use to describe what that is, Lord, we give it to you now and ask you to help us to make progress in this thing called the spiritual life with God. We want to walk with Jesus closely. We want to be open to the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want the overflow of our lives, Lord, our cup to overflow and the virtue of Jesus to flow through us. We don't want toxic things, Lord, to pollute the heart and mind. We don't want our loyalties to be misguided with the affections of this world. We want them to be we want our commitment to be obvious, Lord, to the world around us that Jesus is supreme in our lives and that we are deeply devoted to following him. So, Lord, may there be a spirit of repentance in this room today as we offer things up to you, whatever that looks like. Maybe there's some training wheels that need to come off. Maybe there are some supports that we have made more of than we ought to. Lord, may we know the strength of God in our lives, the pure strength of the presence of God in our lives. And so we offer all of this now to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 All right. So uh, if you're able, would you stand with me this morning? Just a reminder to those of you who are involved in small group communities, we're going to meet here in the next 10 minutes. So at 12 o'clock, we'll watch a brief video and then we'll go to our small groups. If you want to learn more about how you can get involved in small group communities, head over to kingstreet.org. If what you're looking for, you don't find there, please reach out to one of your pastors, specifically either myself or Pastor Gary, and we will do whatever we can to help you find a circle. But we are in the early innings of really looking at developing this even further because it's important that all of us find a place to belong. All right, so as I do every week, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance towards you and give you much peace and much grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you and enjoy the gift of today.